We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. We are back for Mailbag Part 2. Fachi, are you ready? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got the mail on me, and I'm ready to read. <laughs> All right. Read me question one. Let's do it. All right. Question one, Matthew Peck. Hey, we appreciate you. He said, are there any concerns that Matherin and Halliburton have only played limited minutes together this season? Do you have any concerns that long-term they may not fit together, and should Rick be working on integrating them together more now since this season isn't about winning? Okay, first thing here I'm going to say is I'm not worried at all about anyone now working with Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton can play with any single person in the entire NBA. I'm disappointed with the amount of minutes they have played together so far this season, and I'm hoping that changes in the last quarter of the season. So, you know, we'll we'll see here what Carlisle does, but I think this is a great opportunity to see what you have the last couple of games, the last 22 games, see what Carlisle um, can figure out, what, what, what plays work, what plays don't. Does he fit next to Buddy Hield? Can you make a Buddy... Tyrese, Benedict Matherin, backcourt work. Is that something that's in the future? I mean, that's me is where I'm at. But with them working together, I don't think that's a problem at all. I, I just think at some point, I think the more the bigger problem is Buddy and Benedict, not Tyrese and Benedict. That right there is a fantastic point. Because, look, I don't have any concerns about Tyrese Halliburton and anyone. Like you mentioned, <laughs> look, Tyrese could get a bucket out of my grandmother. I really do think he's that talented of a point guard. Uh, but the thing is, I mean, you mentioned uh, about maybe two episodes ago, they've only logged like 700 minutes together between mm-hmm. Halliburton and Matherin. That is not enough. We clearly envision them playing together a lot more. But the key thing that you said is Buddy and Matherin together. That's really where it's a, a little bit tough. Those are two scorers. Those, mm-hmm. are, those are two guys that are always going to be looking to score first. And obviously, you know, they both play the same position. Sure, you could play them at the two and the three. Or you could slide Buddy down, whatever you want to do. But it feels like 
in order to fully unleash Matherin to his full potential, either Buddy's got to be coming off the bench or maybe he's on a different team. And we've known that for a while, but we still want to see it work to see if it can work. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see them switch roles a little bit, just see how, how it looks. I understand Tyrese and Buddy have a lot of chemistry together, and that's part of the problem with with making that change. But I don't think you can worry about that because while Buddy is a really good shooter and a really special player in this league, I mean, he's special to an extent. He doesn't have the ceiling that Matherin has, and that's where you have to put your two highest ceiling players together, Halliburton and Matherin, and see what you got. You know, because at this point, it's – it's what are we doing? <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at. And it's not a knock uh, on what Matherin's done this year, how Carlisle's utilized him. It's been fine. He's been a good six man. He's played really well this season. Don't no doubt about it. But I, I think the front office, I'm I'm sure would like to see more minutes of those two together. I, I think everybody wants to see that. Everybody has a right to want to see that because this man has been a top two rookie this year. No mm-hmm. doubt about it. No one's going to say that he's number three. Or anything like that. Uh, I think he's surpassed expectations, but now we start to enter in that, okay, well, I want to see what this team could look like long-term. Him and Halliburton, you really got to work on that pairing because that's the pairing that you hope to have for 10-plus years, maybe even more in the NBA. So let's make sure it's perfect. Yeah, and just real quick, I don't want to jump off my notes too much, but you also want to see how they fit together with Turner and see what other position you need to fill and what player would make more sense stylistically for those three. And that's what you got to pay attention to in the draft, because if there's a guy in the draft that might fit well with Turner and Halliburton, but not Matherin, do you take him? Or is there a guy that can fit well with all three of them? I mean, that's kind of my taking on that, but uh, let's move on. Question number two comes from Gage. He said, who do you guys think the Pacers should uh, target this off season, whether it be draft free agency or, or the trade? So, I did one for each, Fachi, but I'll let you decide which how you did this. Okay. Um, when, when it came to free agency, one name, I know you've liked this guy. I'm kick his name around for a little bit. Harrison Barnes is available. Look, the, he's, he's an older okay. guy. I, I don't know what he'd be asking for, but he could hold down that small forward spot, and I, I'm not sure what he could be looking for in terms of a contract, but I think your best bet is always going to be through the draft and trade. I think that's always going to be how the Pacers are, or not maybe not always. I hope that's not always the case, but that's going to be the Pacers' best avenue to get better this offseason. Do they revisit a trade for OG or John Collins where the asking price could have come down? Could very well happen. As it relates to targeting, you know, some players that we mentioned before, uh, Jarese Walker uh, from Houston. That's that's who I'm, I'm now like locked in on a power forward. That's what I want, and that yeah. guy he, he's at the top of my list. He kind of feels like my Tar Eason of this season. So, Ooh, you got you know, so. I, I've been pretty hyped on uh, on Walker for a while now, but there's there's other names that I'm very intrigued by too, Fudge. But yeah, I just basically for the draft, a starting level wing. So, you know, I, I think that's where I'm looking at the beginning. I think also a veteran college foreman could be intriguing as well later in the draft because they do have that second round pick. And a name that I'm going to throw out there, Fachi, just because I think that he's. He's going to get love here in Indiana because he's from Indiana. That's Trace Jackson Davis. Mm, I can see you saying that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just going to throw this out here. The guy blocks shots like crazy. He's quick off his feet getting to the basket. He's a good rebounder. Does not have a great three-point shot, but he's a good defender. And I feel like 
you know, I think he had like five blocks and three steals the other night, like just insane numbers. Like I'm just watching him play. I'm just like, this guy, he's really good. And I understand the concerns. He's older and stuff like that. But I feel like this is a guy that Carlisle could plug in almost like um, a, a better version of Terry Taylor in a sense. You know, no three-point shot, but a, a guy that, you know, had to be the guy on his team, good rebounder, probably not as uh, skilled of a rebounder as Terry was. But I, I just feel like there's things he can do. And if he can develop a three-point shot, that'd be huge. And I'm not saying he's a guy that I'm, like, worried about as getting or not. I just think somebody like that, you know, there's there's veterans in college that we've seen the Pacers go after before, like an Andrew Nimhard. So keep your eyes on something like that to get a, a ready-now player. Uh, free agency, two names I brought up before, Jalen McDaniels. I'm going to bring him up until I'm blue in the face or he's re-signed somewhere else. And then uh, a restricted free agent, Cameron Johnson. And then lastly, for a trade, we're going to stick with that same team that Cameron Johnson's on right now, the Brooklyn Nets. See what's available, but maybe you call about Dorian Finney-Smith. Apparently, I don't know if you heard this, but I heard they had like an offer for two first-round picks. Yeah, Vinny Smith on the table. They didn't take that. I mean, wow, that was that was interesting. Yeah, and, and you know, there's always stuff that gets leaked out there, and like, how good were those picks? Who were those picks from? Was it too bad Knicks picks? Was it too bad Pacers picks that they were given? Like the Cavs and the Celtics. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you know, obviously Bridges was off. I think the Grizzlies were a team that offered four first round picks for mm-hmm. him, and they said no because look, those picks are going to be 25 or later yeah. in the next to eight years. So that's a smart tr- smart uh, trade not to do that. So. I think if you get Bridges, obviously, I'm mean, a slam dunk. Bridges over OG. But I think maybe more realistic, Dorian Finney-Smith, if the Nets are looking to get some more draft capital. Now, that would be interesting. And uh, to your point on Trace Jackson Davis is looking at, he's got a birthday in two days. I mean, there's birthdays going around left and right. <laughs> uh, he'll be he'll be 23 years old. Yeah. Uh, so definitely more of a veteran-type player. But as what could be a second-round pick, I mean, that, that could definitely be a guy that, Or the Boston pick. Or the Boston pick at 30. I think you got to look at it this way. Chris Duarte was drafted two years ago by the Pacers, 24 years old. Andrew Nimhard last year, what was he, 21, 22? Yeah, yeah, he was. So Duarte, I mean, you know. They don't don't care if you're a veteran player. If you can play basketball, I I think they're they're interested. I'm not saying it's just him, but, you know, like – Somebody like Drew Timmy, as crazy as that sounds, I don't want Drew Timmy. But I, I'm just I, saying, I gotta stay far away. I know he's a great college player, uh, but he's I, got the chemistry. They run the same offense in um, in Gonzaga that Andrew Nimhart was used to running. So you add Timmy as like a third backup, you know that kind of player. I mean, I'm not saying I want Timmy. I'm just saying a lot of experience in college. It doesn't shock me if Carlisle tries to convince him on those. The last one I'll say, and uh, if we're going on the experience route, is. Um, uh, Jalen Wilson out of Kansas. Small, okay. he's, he's a wing. Um, he's a senior, six seven. I mean, seventeen yeah. points, eight rebounds. I mean, there's there's you know he's uh, he's been a good player, but he's definitely a little bit of an older player. So he, he's twenty two and a half right now. So he'll oh my god, he's so old, Fachi. I, I know. Look, twenty two. You're 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 by all means pretty much a child, but in the NBA, it's like oh, I don't know. I think the and age like, thing is so overdramatic. I I. Definitely felt that way until the regression of Chris Duarte this year. And, and now well, I'm a little bit shook. You don't draft someone at 24 years old, Flashy, and expect anything less than a regression a little bit. But I'm talking, if you're looking at a guy that's 20 versus 22, what's the big difference? Yes, I mean, I, I agree. You're either 18 or you're 23. I mean, it's like that big of a difference. When you're talking about he's 20 compared to 22, that's not that big of a difference. But 
Um, I think at this point, if the Pacers actually are to use four picks in the top 32, they're not all going to be 18 or 19-year-olds. No, we'll tell you what, that. Otherwise, they won't be able to play. That's exactly what they did this last draft. They took they took Benedict Matherin, the stud, the, the star that's got a lot of potential. They took a veteran college player, and Andrew Nimhart, and they took a swing on a guy that's very raw in Kendall Brown. I, I think you can kind of see the same model heading into this draft, but – we're getting off topic here, Fox. Let's move on to the next question. All right. Next question. We have Petey. Oh, actually. No, Logan. 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 He said, who do you want the Pacers to draft? So we're seeing we're going draft heavy on these. Alex, you got another prospect up your sleeve? Yeah, this is going to be a really shocking one here. But Victor Wimbenyama is who I want the Pacers to draft, man. That's who I want to see them draft. I mean, you didn't say where we're picking at. That is who I want them to draft. The number one player in this draft, the guy that could literally change a franchise. Give me Wimby. Yeah, I mean, look, that as awesome as that would be, and I'm I'm out on boat with that. Uh, you know, it, it, Brandon Miller to me is that guy that like we're just going to be just outside the reach of, it, and it hurts because I could see him going three or four and us picking fifth, and all of a sudden could trade up, like, could trade up, and and now we finally do have the assets to be able to to make a trade like that. So I would be very interested in Brandon Miller if if it works out. Yeah, I mean realistically he feels like someone that could be gettable because he might not go three. He might go four. He might go could. five. Mm-hmm. He could go five. I'm just he saying. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, he could go five. We could be picking five. Yeah. You never know. Last year we were slated to pick fifth, move back. Maybe this year we move up if we're still yeah. in the sixth spot. Absolutely. So let's go now to Petey. He said, which players will you be watching in this March Madness that you think the Pacers will have their eye on for the draft? So I, I wanted to factor in if the team's record was not good, you weren't going to make March Madness, I wasn't factoring you in. And if you yeah. were in the G League, I was not factoring you in. One player, Noah Clowney, power forward out of Alabama. He's a 6'10 freshman, walking double-double. I think that he's going to be there towards the, the back end of the first round okay. where the Pacers do have a lot of picks. Also, one guy that who knows where he'll end up finishing, Bryce Sensabaugh. Regarded yeah, as, yeah. as the, the third best small forward in this draft out of Ohio State. Yeah. We'll see, you know, averaging 16 and a half points, five rebounds, shooting 43% from three. He could go in the teens. Maybe the Pacers move up. Maybe he falls back. I really don't know, but that's someone that I have my eye on as a position of need. Yeah. And this is someone I think the Pacers will be watching too. I think Grady Dick from Kansas is a big name to watch. He is what, a what he is a he's a net torture, Fachi. This guy can light it up from outside. And I think the Pacers love them some shooting. If they move on from Chris Duarte, they get the replacement in Grady Dick. I think that he's someone they could probably get in the later lottery if they moved up for him. He's not someone I'm taking at like five or six, but I believe in his game. He's a freshman. I think he's a special player. Another name, Keontae George with with yeah. Baylor. He's definitely someone that's had some really bright spots. Another guard, the Pacers need a guard? Probably not, but I think you got to keep your eye on him just to just to see what he does and see how special of a player he is. Chris Murray from Iowa. I think the Pacers had a lot of interest in Keegan Murray. You could get his replica in Chris Murray. Uh, Walker and Miller, two guys we've been talking about all mailbag long. And then one guy I just brought up, Trace Jackson Davis. I think they're going to keep an eye on him, but don't sleep on his teammate, Jalen Huchifino. I've seen Sam Vecini moved him up into the lottery for him on his mock really? draft at number 14 because while while Shafino is a point guard, he's six foot six and his defense has really improved this freshman season. So not only is he a timely basket getter, he's improved defensively as well. 
Don't be surprised if the Pacers love them some Jalen Hutchifina. So I'm looking on Tankathon, and they had uh, Jalen at pick 28. Yeah. So obviously that's a big difference right over there. So I didn't know if yeah. maybe – Tankathon some- to me is not the place to look for your draft stuff. Now it's fun to look at it just to see what they say for mock draft stuff, but I love the in-depth analysis of the guys over at uh, No Dunks. They okay. do a great job. I, I think out. Sam Vecini, Kevin O'Connor, those kind of guys. A lot of people have been talking about Huchifino and how he's rising up the board just because he's improving so well. And right now, Indiana is, I think, the number one four seed when you're looking at the NCAA and where they have everybody slotted at projection-wise right now. So that's the only reason I, I did the same thing as you. I had to cut off some teams that you know I, I don't think they'll be watching because I don't think they're making the tournament. Mm-hmm. So as it goes, as it relates to Grady Dick, now here's the thing. Uh, given I'm, I'm a big West Virginia University, you know, fan. So you hate alumni, Kansas. Hate Kansas. Hate them with a the passion. I've watched a lot of Kansas this year. I I struggle with getting past the like Grady Dick. He looks like the typical white boy, like he does. And it's just look. I know this man can play, and I know he was a top recruit. But I, it, there's part of me that's like, can this guy translate on the next level? Is he just a really good shooter? I don't know, but Kansas had a few of those guys, even in this past draft, that really haven't done anything at all, like in, in the NBA this year. I'm gonna have to look up in, in specific, not not uh Agbaji. Not Agbaji. I mean, he hasn't really done much and he was national player of the year last year, but there was also one other guy that went to the draft that uh, I'll find his name. Christian all. Brown playing Christian, for the Never exactly. Nuggets. And that's why they traded away Bones Island to yeah, get him cool. some more playing time. Well, White we'll boy see. can jump, man. I, don't be don't be discriminating because of skin nah, color now. No, hey, look, I, I <laughs> I'm white boy myself, man. I know, I get it, I get it. Yeah, it's the same so, reason that we didn't want. Uh, it's the same reason we didn't want what's his face from Gonzaga, Corey Kispert, a couple of years yeah, ago. I we mean, we were low on Franz Wagner as well. And that I will own that because I was wrong on that. Franz I think a lot of it was all. Franz is a different was, player than who he was in Michigan, though. Totally different. Definitely, totally. I did not see this coming. That man is mm. a beast. Yeah. So I'll yeah. gladly eat my words if Grady Dick ends up being a stud in the NBA. Um, but I'm a little bit hesitant. Yeah, I think Grady Dick could have like a Kyle Korver type of career. I mean, that'd be awesome. Hey, Better Kyle than Luke Kennard, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Corver um, was like the, one of the premier three-point shooters when we were growing up. So I mean, like, that's I what can, I think. I can see Grady Dick being like a lights-out shooter. Now, the, the defense he's going to have to get better on. There's yeah. no doubt about that. But I think team defense-wise, he'll be okay. I just feel like he's a smart basketball player. I, I'm intrigued by Grady Dick, Fachi. I'll just put it that way. Um, let's move on to our next question. DJ Davis, you're up. Yep. So DJ says, why not try Jalen Smith? Uh, why not give him another chance at the at the power forward spot or even give Isaiah Jackson a try at the four? See what options your roster has for the next year. Yeah, I, I agree with you, man. There, I couldn't agree more, DJ. It's just like, let let I let Ajax get some run with Miles. I want to see what those two look like together. I think that that could be an intriguing thing because if Ajax is able to guard guys on the perimeter, you know, he doesn't have to worry about blocking the shots. So we can just play straight up defense, Miles back there to funnel it all. Let's see what that can do. I mean, same thing with Jalen. You know, just get him some playing time, whether it's at the four or the five. We just need to see that man out there, see if he has anything left in the tank, see what he can do for this Pacers team moving forward because there's talent there for sure. It's just, I think, roster construction-wise and how things have been played out, he didn't really get the best opportunity to showcase what he can do. Yeah, I'm with you. Look, play Jalen Smith anywhere. You could even play him. Just You can't have him riding the bench 
after we saw last year that he can absolutely play. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and it's just we've barely seen anything this year. It's just, just not enough, especially the last few months. Uh, Isaiah Jackson, I just want to get him minutes anywhere you can because I feel like that's the type of player that like could be a solid piece of this future. But a lot of it is going to come down to opportunity. And I, I fear and I don't want to be – the one watching the press conference saying, well, you know what? It might have come down to opportunity, and I don't think we gave Isaiah enough opportunity. And that's what we did with Goga. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's just like, I don't want to go down that route again. Both guys, Isaiah Jackson's 21 years old. Jalen Smith, yeah. he's 22. These guys, I mean, we're talking about drafting players older than these guys. Like, we can't give up on them yet. So it's yeah. just like, give them some playing time. I'll, I'm all for it, DJ. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So let's move on. Mike said, does Matherin remind you of Russell Westbrook? I actually kind of think that's a, that's a decent point. Now, here's the thing. They both have that <laughs> alpha-type mentality. But before anyone is like, what, Westbrook? Let's remember who Westbrook used to be, a former MVP. Uh, let's just put it this way. Westbrook gets unnecessary slander you definitely. left and right. Westbrook has got his flaws. Let's be honest. Yes. I'm, not, I'm not a Russell Westbrook defender right here. No. But everybody, when he signed with the Clippers, all you saw was, oh, that franchise is run. Their playoff dreams just went down the tank. It's like... Can you guys just like step back and realize like the LA media on him with LeBron, they scapegoated him so bad. Big time. It was a horrible trade because they traded away all their shooting and everything. That wasn't, you know, Westbrook's fault that he had no guys to throw to the shoot, but it's a bad trade. That's what Rob Palinka has done. Besides this last trade deadline, most of his trades have been absolute terrible. So I will just say this Russell Westbrook, glorified, triple double, Mr. Stat Grabber, whatever you want to call him. He's not as bad as people make him out to be. That's all I want to say. No, no he's not. Look, the LA, the, you're right. LA definitely used him as a scapegoat. But here's the thing. There's a big difference between Russell Westbrook making $48 million a year and Russell Westbrook being on a very affordable contract. So fair. Uh, of actual Russ the player, I mean, this guy's got, you know, could be a, very well could be a Hall of Famer. Borderline, whatever. That's a whole debate for another day. But a former MVP – a scoring title guy, a guy who, you know, set the world on fire from a triple-double standpoint and everything in between. The mentalities is what I'm saying. is like, okay, those are like dogs of like, hey, look, I'm going to go out there. I don't care who's guarding me. I'm going right through them. So I like that comparison. And at what, there was a, a point in time where we would have loved for any player on our team to be compared to Russell Westbrook. I know times yeah. have changed in 2023, but I, I don't think that you could say that that's an awful comparison at all. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good observation. Um, I think maybe you could say a little bit that he reminds me of him. You know, Russ, to me, is much more explosive and athletic than Matherin is. There's no doubt about it. Better passer, rebounder. Yes, better passer, better rebounder. I think Matherin's probably a better shooter. Yes, I would say so. You know, but he's been struggling. He's been struggling from distance, so it's kind of tough. Uh, Both are super confident, but you're talking about a guy that won the MVP. And Matherin has a long ways to go before he's there, so – I said, not really. I don't think they're the same player, but I see your point in terms of yeah. just like the points you mentioned, Fachi. So not not a terrible observation at all. I think it's a good observation because they're fearless, but their games are a little bit different. It, they're definitely different. If I had a, to bet who's going to be the more accurate shooter in their career, I'm going Matherin. Yeah, for sure. He's going to get better. Yeah. Uh, next question we have, I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Uh, I believe it's Haomin Zhang uh, said... What do you think the Pacers will end up doing with all of their 2023 draft picks? Yeah, I think they keep their top 10 pick for sure, and they use the other three to move back into the lottery or that 12 to 20 range. I think they're going to 
they're going to really pile those assets together to get back up. I think they're going to target a player or two that they really like in the lottery. They wanted to trade back into the lottery last year, weren't able to do it. But I think if you can get two more lottery level picks on this team, Fachi, or top two top 15 picks in this year's draft, you're going to probably feel pretty good about yourself. So that's me is what I think they're going to do. Yeah, I mean, four picks at the top 32, it's just way too much for any team. And I'm not at the point where I want to, like, draft a guy and stash him in Europe or anything. No, no. Consolidate those picks to move up or take those picks and some of our young players that are out of the rotation and make a trade for a more established player. But I really, if you're going to have, say, four picks this draft, I want to walk away with only two of them actually being on the roster because – there is just not enough spots on this team for four rookies to come in. Yeah, for sure. Shalomar the God, uh, his question said, how soon could the Pacers become the best example of how to rebuild in the NBA? Uh, I mean, look, the best example, that sounds <laughs> unbelievable. But, you know, look, let's just go through what a few of those best examples were. I mean, the o- OKC Thunder had, you know, uh, they picked Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and then James Hard. Those are three top three picks. Then eventually they made the finals. The Grizzlies went from awful to drafting John Morant and then soon being a contender in the West. Jaron Jackson Jr. Jaron Jackson Jr. was another top five pick. He was fourth overall. Um, And then you look at the Suns. The Suns went from like a joke to all of a sudden you had Devin Booker. Then you drafted DeAndre Ayton first overall. You had Chris Paul, and then you're, you're, you're taken off. So bottom line is you need a star there. Whether yeah. you draft a star, you trade a star, or you sign a star, he's got to be there. We have our star in Tyrese Halliburton. We have a star in the making in Benedict Matherin. But we need to add to that. And when I think the big part of that is going to be picking like top six. If you start to creep around nine, ten, you're getting like a pretty good rotation player, maybe someone a little bit better, but less proven. Top six is where you could really find your next stud. So it would be pretty detrimental if the Pacers were to go on a run and fall and pick around 10 or later. Yeah, if you're picking outside of the top six, you're kind of like becoming like the Washington Wizards. I mean, honestly, they're a team that like always right there, bottom of the playoff, you know, barely making the playoffs or barely missing it. And, and that's not what you want to be. Like, they had some nice moments there by getting Wall and Bradley Beal, you know, pretty close together. Top and, three picks right there. Yeah. That's what it takes. And, and that's what changed your franchise, you know. And now they're kind of, like, treading water trying to just stay uh, relevant, you know. So I just said, you know, I'm not really sure, to be honest, though, when the Pacers will ever be that team. I said they've gotten pretty lucky on some trades. One thing Indiana has done is they've never really swung for home runs, Fachi, with their trades. But by being consistent with their trades, they've turned home runs into three to four doubles. And and it's getting you the same amount of points. It's just coming in different ways without giving all your assets up. Because the big thing is you can't mortgage your future as a small market like the Lakers can going after Anthony Davis, you know, or or like Cleveland did going after Donovan Mitchell. I think Cleveland's a good example because they they drafted Evan Mobley. They drafted Darius Garland. They drafted Colin Sexton. They were able to sneak in as a, as a third team in that or that, or really a fourth team with that Rockets uh, Nets trade with James Harden to get Jared Allen. They had Kevin Love. They had some other veterans on their roster that they were able to, you know, figure out ways to to, to move them around. But you know, even, even Isaac Okoro, he's a starter for them. They drafted a lot of their talent, but by drafting for three to four years in a row, getting their guys solidified and having a good chance, they were able to then trade their future picks. They didn't mortgage everything until they were in that right spot. So I think Indiana has that ability moving forward, but they just haven't been one team to 
go all in, make the Kevin Durant trade, make the Donovan Mitchell trade. They've they've traded Paul George and they got back Oladipo and Sabonis with no picks. Everybody laughed at him. They turned Sabonis into Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. You know, so they ended up they ended up turning Victor Oladipo into Karis Levert, who turned into Ricky Rubio and, and two picks. And now you're talking Andrew Nimhard on this team and whoever they get this year in the draft. If they use that to trade up, you know, you're talking they've really done a good job of liquidating their picks and, and their players and, and making the right moves. So to me, that's kind of a, a model that could be somewhat followable. You know, however you say that word, you could follow that model pretty well. But I think it only works for small markets. I don't think it's an NBA thing. No, exactly. Look, not every team gets the opportunity to pull off like what the Brooklyn Nets did. Oh, my God. They, they, they signed Kevin Durant. They signed Kyrie Irving. They traded for James Harden. It's like left and right. They were making all these splashes. You're the Pacers. You get you get one of those you know opportunities every oh so often. I mean, yeah. that could be years. And I think finally we're getting to that point where it feels more realistic. In the past, what assets were you going to trade to bring in a real star and also remain competitive. Now the Pacers are starting to get there. So that's what has me really excited. But for the last question we have, it's Evan Nogales. He said, how secure is Carlisle's job? What needs to happen to see him as the Pacers coach three to five years from now? I think he's 100% safe, Fachi. Uh, ownership trusts him. The front office trusts him. And, he's in, and, the, and, the, and the important players on the team have openly praised his coaching style. I think he's the coach until he doesn't want to be. There's no doubt in my mind that Carlisle, if he wants to retire with the Pacers as the coach, he can retire. If he wants to move into the front office, maybe as a part of the front office, like general manager's side of things or a consultant, I think that's kind of it. There's a reason he came back to Indiana, in my opinion, and I think that's to finish out his career here. That's a great point. Look, this is his third stint with the Pacers, so he feels as secure as could possibly be. I think – if the Pacers, you know, properly develop young talent, you know, get, you know, Halliburton to sign a long-term deal where he's also happy. And then they're also, you know, competing in the playoffs year in, year out. It, it's Rick's job until he wants to step away. I yeah. think the only way that something like that could change would be if things go south, the relationship with Halliburton is, is broken where maybe Halliburton wants out. And you know what? Maybe like a president or GM gets fired or a new one comes in. And then mm-hmm. wants to put a stamp on the team. That's the only way I could see things changing. But uh, in every scenario, I see Carlisle finishing out this contract. Definitely. Like no changes at all in the remaining two years after this. And then the rest is up to Rick. Unless things go absolutely down south. Yeah. I mean, we'll, yeah. I mean, we've heard Bob Kravitz joke about like, you know, Kevin Pritchard in the front office won't be here for those Lakers picks when that was all talked about. So, you know, like it's 2023, 2027, 2029, it's really not that far away. It's four to five years from now. If Pritchard decides, hey, you know, I, I've been doing this for a while. I'd rather re- like to retire, kind of like Larry Bird did, and, you know, retire at a young enough age with his wife and their young kids. Maybe that's something he looks forward to doing. I'm just speculating. I don't know. And and then maybe Carlisle joins Chad Buchanan, Kelly Kroskoff in that front office, Ted Wu, just to be a part of that and, and find his successor, be a part of finding his successor in that thing. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, but, you know, eventually ownership's going to be shifted over to Steve and Simon, but I still think, you know, Carlisle and, and and Steve Simon have a great relationship. I know Carlisle's talked about him openly before, you know, like with Steve Simon being at some of the games and stuff like that. So, you know, it, it's going to be an awesome thing to see when it happens, but, you know, give Carlisle a chance to prove himself in the playoffs because I think that's where he's going to be most valuable. 
is in a playoff series, how he's able to tinker with things. He's just such a mastermind offensively. I think he's going to be really good. But Fachi, anything else before we close out? No, I would just say that the mail has been delivered. It's been read, and we appreciate everybody who sent in questions. You know, thank you very much for making Mailbag uh, what it is. Yeah, for sure. All right. Tell people where they can find us at then on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You can find me on find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Yeah, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers Podcast where you can find all of our content. This mailbag episode will be available on there. So if you're looking at me saying this, Hit that subscribe button. Let us know what you think of our uh, questions and our answers. And if you have different answers, please leave those in the comment section below. But we want to thank you all so much for being a part of our YouTube family. Thank you very much. Fachi, we got to get things wrapped up here. So I got to hit you with this. Are you excited to see Benedict Mathern back in action for the Pacers when they return from All-Star break? Hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team.